I'm a, I have no idea how to connect all of this message. I started it in Sunday school class, and uh, about 12, 15 people were there, and they'll testify that uh, the introduction and trying to give a couch for this message did not make it any more easier to understand, but I, you'll think that it's easier because you weren't in Sunday school, and the people in Sunday school will say, no, it didn't help. But in any case, about 140 years ago, on the planet Earth, there was all kinds of things were up arising. Uh, the divine right of kings and queens and people who are sovereigns and lords and uh, sitting in stages of, of, of own property. And then the, the rising up of the workers and the revolutions in Asia and Europe and throughout the world. Uh, and in our own country, the labor unions were starting. Uh, people were co complaining about the fact that they were working, at, uh, the children were working in impoverished conditions, weren't getting uh, proper wages and so on. And so our government jumped up and took a stand to start to alleviate the riots and the problems in the streets, and they gave us a holiday, including a picnic and a parade. Thank you. Thank you. And so uh, it's good that they took action, because who knows where we'd be today if we didn't have the Congress and the Senate. By the way, if you want to know, the Senate was controlled by the Democrats, the Congress was reported by the Republicans, and uh, they finally agreed on a picnic and a parade together. That's kind of nice. Anyway, uh, I entitled this message called My Aching Heart, My Aching Heart, and I'm working on Joshua chapter 7 in the incident where a man named Achan uh, disobeyed God and, uh, and the entire nation suffered for it. And so uh, all of our labor has to do, and all of these different conflicts have to do with heart's desires and heart. In Psalm 127, it says that uh, if, you, if you build a city and the Lord isn't in it, your labor is in vain. And in 1 Corinthians 15, with that thought in mind, be diligent and faithful to the very end because everything, you, all your labor in Christ, none of it is in vain. In vain, not in vain. And so who are we working for? And unfortunately, I find I'm working for my heart. <laughs> and uh, I'm trying to make me happy. And uh, I don't know if anybody here experiences that. Nobody here is like that. But we all find that our hearts desire are insatiable and our appetites will never be filled. And we need to learn to turn those things over to our God and King. In a moment, uh, let's have a word of prayer and then we'll take a look at first, uh, excuse me, Joshua chapter 7 and stay here probably for the entire chapter. Father God, we thank you for uh, historical truths. Things going on in my nation, in my world, and in my heart that uh, were exemplified for me in uh, the scriptures, their sacred word. Help us to learn. Teach us, guide us, direct us, exhort us, encourage us, uh, bring things to light. Uh, have your way with us. Spirit of God, speak to us. Teach us, guide us, and direct us. And we'll thank you for it. We love you. We bless your name with thanksgiving. We thank you for this congregation. Thank you for the opportunity to study the word in this land. Baruch Hashem. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. By the way, uh, Dad, thanks for bringing the, the songbook up. Um, I knew the first and the last verse, and uh, the middle two verses, I was a little uh, word-lifting-sinking, and uh, he knows my memory. And, uh, and, if, and if I wrote the song, I wouldn't remember it. Ah, first, uh, Joshua chapter 6. 
and verse 27. So the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame was noised throughout all the country. Look at chapter 5 and verse 1. And it came to pass when all the kings of the Amorites, which were on the side of the Jordan westward, and all the kings of the Canaanites, which were by the sea, heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of Jordan across the entire nation from before the children of Israel until we were passed over, that their heart melted, the nations melted, Amorites, the Canaanites, hearts melted uh, because of the children uh, the, of Israel, the spirit of God, uh, the heart, they had no spirit in them because of the children of Israel. And because of the children of Israel, Jericho was straightly shut up. Uh, things were going pretty good. Everybody was afraid. They had no heart to battle. No matter how much munitions, how much ammunition, or how many troops they could raise up, you can't have a victorious army without a heart. But, all these things going well, the children of Israel committed a trespass in the accursed thing. For Achan, my Achan heart, the son of Kamai, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, the son of Judah, took of the accursed thing, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. Uh, several thoughts that come to mind. First of all, one guy sinned. One guy sinned. And, and because of one man's transgression, the entire nation is being held accountable. Seems unfair. Uh, we read in 1 Corinthians, and it's true of Israel, who are collectively, in a way, saved, and we're professing against them, shall not prosper. They have a, a providential relationship with the Lord. I know it's individual, but yet it's, con it's con congregational, and in the same way, we are all together. We just read in 1 Corinthians the unity and the harmony that we have in the body. And woe unto me for the hours I spend in, in video games and vanity that could be directed towards prayer and service and accomplishing things. I could be texting encouragement. I could be texting the gospel. I could be uh, sending emails out to people. There's things I could be doing in cards, and prayer, and service, and giving, even in the privacy of my own room, what am I doing? What is my aching heart doing that could be doing something else? I don't know. But I do know, and I don't know how much my ineffectivity in my ineffectual life is impacting the church of God. How much is affecting the lack of our impact in the world and in the community because I'm idly off. Now, if Joshua had failed, if Joshua had, had been prayerless, if Joshua had sinned, if Joshua took a curse, they okay, the leader, the commander, I understand. If he fails, yeah, I can see how the whole nation could stumble. But this is a very inadvertent guy. He's kind of, he lives in a, doesn't he live in a corner house in the middle of the block, in the middle of the street? He's not a, he's not a tribal leader. He's not a, a family leader. He's just a, an individual guy. One little guy. And his sin impacts the whole nation. Now, uh, with that, I might say, and it does, Scripture does not talk about it, but I'm just thinking out loud here. When you see all the preparations that go into Jericho in chapter, chapter 5, uh, Joshua has an encounter with the captain, the host of the Lord's army. Take your feet off your shoes. This is holy ground. And, and he's given his very specific instructions regarding how the priests shall count, the Levites, and how the nation, how they will march around the city, and how they'll be silent. And then the trumpet shall sound, the people shall shout, the walls come down. And we have all of this detailed plan on how to attack Jericho, this impenetrable fortress that stood in front of them. Shut up! 
from the, uh, from the things of Jehovah, and they were able to conquest them and, and overcome them. I never talk about the Battle of Jericho, because there was no battle there. There was simply a victory there wrought by Jehovah, and we just happened to chase the enemy out when the walls came tumbling down. Uh, I, won't, I won't say that Joshua failed in, Genesis, in, in Joshua chapter 6 in preparing himself for, 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 for chapter 7. I wouldn't say that, uh, I don't know, but it would have been nice to read. He went back to the encounter of the holy ground, got on his face, thanked God for the victory, and praised God and pleaded with God for some kind of miracle success in Joshua chapter 7. We don't read that any, any rebuke because uh, the real problem is in the, the taking of the accursed thing. However, um, scriptures does tell us and tells us repeatedly that uh, if a man thinks he's standing, uh, let him beware uh, lest he fall, Proverbs 16, 18. And we do know, we do know that uh, in Proverbs that uh, pride comes before a fall and a haughty spirit before sudden destruction. And, and my life, and I can tell you from a personal testimony, I am most vulnerable to being attacked after I've been victorious. Uh, you probably experience the same thing. So after victory, sometimes we tend to think, well, okay, I can take it. I remember taking, coming back from this church and other churches with my wife Jackie. We'd be driving for over these mountains, and uh, you know, it'd be rainy, it'd be slushy, it'd be icy, and we'd have a, a precarious trip home. I'm holding one eye open so I can let the other one rest, and, and I'm tired, and I'm sleepy, and I'm exhausted, and coming back and we get off the major highway and we were about a mile away from my house after coming in on the East West Turnpike. I said, wow. And I turned to, to, to Jackie just loud enough. I know she can hear me. And I say, well, okay, Lord, thank you. I'll take it from here. And she, she'd always wake up right up. There's a joke. Uh, but, but, but after the battle, uh, we, we tend to say, okay, and let our arms down our hands down. How many of you have been praying with me for 50 years? 50 years praying that they would stop killing the innocent children. 50 years that our nation would take a stand on something that's godly and righteous. And now the prayer has been answered. Okay, let the nation go now. I got it made now. Uh, no, now it's time to rekindle our efforts and, uh, and, and get started again and continue in the process. Don't know if Joshua failed in that at all, but I do know the people of Israel failed in that they, they, took, they, didn't, they didn't talk to God, didn't plan, didn't program, just went out on their own, and, uh, and they did so with sin in the camp. Uh, chapter 7, verse 2, And Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside beth on the east side. Of Bethel, and spake unto them, saying, Go up and view the country. And the men went up and viewed Ai. And they returned to Joshua and said unto him, Let not all the people go up. Look at this. Arians. We don't need everybody, but let about two or three troops go. Uh, two or three thousand, actually two or three troops. Go up and to smite Ai. And make not all the people to labor there, for there are but a few. Arrogance, self-confidence. So they went up there, though, the people, about three thousand men. Uh, three thousand, three, three troops and fled before the men of Ai um, and uh, uh, let him be, who would stand uh, take heed lest he uh, fall. And the men of Ai smote them, about 30 and 6 men. I always marvel at this word, about. 
you know, Scripture's giving us numbers, and, and you'd think they'd, they'd know how many men. And this is about, and the only thing I can get from this one is that it's possible that this is being recorded in real time to the point where they haven't had to reconnoiter and discover who's missing in action, how many are dead, how many killed. Uh, they know just about how many are, are out there, about 36. But one is more than necessary. They were, they was, they were chased by their enemies. And look, the people, the hearts of the people melted and became as water. Before, the Canaanites, their heart was like water, and now the Jewish people were like water, and that's because of sin in the camp. Joshua rent his clothes and fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord, hallelujah, into even time, all day. He and the elder put out dust upon their heads. Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, would thou hast the, 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 the people over that they brought us over to Jordan to live in the hand of the Amorites to destroy us? Would to God we have been content and dwelt on the other side of Jordan? Sounds an awful lot like the people complaining, weren't there enough graves in Egypt? Right away we start complaining to God when things don't go right, when it's really ourselves we should look at, not at him. Oh, Jehovah, what shall I say when Israel uh, turneth their backs before their enemies, before the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land shall hear it and shall environ us and cut off our name from the earth? What shall uh, thy, thy great name? That, now that's a good prayer. Uh, oh, your great name. Baruch Hashem. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Uh, Jewish people are are commanded to pray accordingly uh, every single day. Uh, you know, Colossians tells us that we should pray without ceasing continuously before the Lord. Psalm 55, 17 gives us the attitude which the Muslims follow and the Jews follow, uh, praying in the morning, praying in the afternoon, praying in the evening. Uh, the prayer of January 6, 5, you know, you have the great Shema, Shema Yisrael Anoy Echod, they say, She'll love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your might, all your strength. And these words which the commandment says you'll be in your heart. And you put them on front of your, uh, your eyes, upon your heart, and if you gate upon the goalpost of the house, upon the gates, thinking it to rise up like that. They put the scripture together and they say that's prayer, and that's fine. And they, they, they should be doing some kind of liturgical prayer on a regular basis, uh, the praying. Uh, before they go into, how they pray before they go into AI, how they dropped in their face and, and did a blaze before God, before they went to AI, maybe this wouldn't have happened, maybe this sin would have been discovered, I don't know. But after the failure, then they pray. I remember uh, my first sermon, which I'm sure nobody else does, and uh, it's, it, it, uh, uh, most everybody's passed away by now. But anyway, my wife was in a singing group called the King's Children, and um, they would sing every Friday, not every, once a month on a Friday night at the Ricetown Christian Servicemen Center uh, outside of Fort uh, Dix and, and McGuire Air Force Base. And uh, there was a man there who preached the gospel, and the kids would come in and sing, and the soldiers would come in and hear them singing, and, and he'd preach the gospel. And one Friday he says, Jackie, your husband's uh, going to Bible school, he's going to be a preacher, why don't you let him bring the gospel the next time you guys come out? So Jackie said, well, ask him. And he asked me, he said, ah, finally, the door's open. The opportunity's there. Here we come, you know. And, and so uh, I, I knew eventually I'd get my shot, and here it was. And I was working as a security guard at nights, and I had a, uh, so I could, you know, study and so on. And I had a, a keys that you had to hit the, uh, all around the warehouse. Apparently, they didn't trust me, so they knew I was making my rounds because I hit a key here, 
key there, key there, and they knew I w- had done my rounds, and my rounds took about six, eight minutes, and then I'd go back to, I'd pile up a pile of boxes in an empty warehouse, and I made a pulpit. And I stood behind the pulpit, and I prepared a message in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. And I, I, I taught things in that chapter, I, it was great. And I told two jokes in the message, and stopped and waited for the people to stop laughing because I wanted to make sure my timing was right. And I preached in an empty warehouse uh, seven and eight times a night, uh, seven, uh, five, six and seven times a week for three and a half weeks. And I preached it over 50 times, and it was 41 minutes every single time. I stopped and waited for them to stop laughing, and I was all ready to go. And I got up in front of the crowd of people, and the, uh, they got done singing. I was introduced. I said, turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. And 12 minutes later, I was done. <laughs> I stopped and waited for people to stop laughing, or at least for the crickets to stop cricking. And, uh, and the people looked at me, what was that? Apparently, I speak a little quicker in front of real people than I do in front of, of uh, a real crowd. And so... Um, I, I was just, the guy just came up to the pulpit and said, that was cute, and pushed me aside, and I and, uh, went up there, and just like you just did, you know what you did? It was really kind of cool. He said, the, 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 the more humble, did you see that? When he said, the more humble characters in the body of Christ, we have the, the humble, and I, I don't know, I, he looked right at anyway, but, but uh, it's an honor to be humble. And, uh, and anyway, um, I went back down to the porch underneath the overhang, and I actually cried. I said, how can I mess it up? How can it be so bad? Oh, God. And I prayed, and I pleaded, and I asked God for what was happening, and, and so on and so forth, just like Joshua did. And after the defeat, uh, fast forward some 25 years, and one of the, uh, the guys who I had the privilege of discipling into the Lord's work was preaching his first sermon at Calvary Baptist Church on Sunday night. Uh, they asked me to preach. I said, give this guy a shot, and he did. And, uh, and he got up there, and he said, I agonized over this sermon. I was in pr- all day long. I wept before God before I preached this sermon. And then he got up there and laced a, a single down, a, a triple down the left heel line. Did a great job. Nice job. Just sna- snacked the ball right there. And he did a fantastic job and got done. And people were really impressed with the word of, way the Spirit of God worked. And uh, I came up to him later and I said, you know, that was a great, great job you did. And, and let's learn a lesson. It's a, lot, it's a lot better to weep before you preach than after. And, uh, and so before the battle and after the victory, these are the times when you're most vulnerable and need to be in prayer. Joshua, Lord said unto Joshua, chapter 7, verse 10, Get up! Prayer meeting's over. Why are you on your face? Israel hath sinned. You should have realized that. My plan, my program, my promises are certain. If Israel sinned. Now, I know one person sinned, and yet all Israel sinned. Now, there's something to the fact that maybe, you know, the immediate neighbors had to know, his children had to know, the, the, the nation itself gave an atmosphere that was conducive to allow them to get away with it. I don't know. But barring all that, we cannot escape the corporate bodily connection that we have that when you're out of fellowship with God, when you're in sin, your aching heart makes my heart ache. And we need to realize that we don't, we're not alone in this. And so you're never by yourself. You're always in cooperation. F- pray together. 
worship together and guard your time and guard your heart because your aching heart can cause my heartache and vice versa. So this is what happened and we're going to uh, uh, look at verses 13 following up. Sanctify the people and say sanctify yourselves against tomorrow. For thus saith the Lord God, and remember the word Lord is not a title, you'd have Jehovah God says, there is an accursed thing in the midst of thee, O Israel. Thou cannot stand before the enemies until you take away the accursed thing. Let me deal a little bit on the accursed thing. In chapter 6, verses 18 and so on, we learn real quickly that, that you keep yourselves from the accursed thing, that you make yourself a curse. When you take away the accursed thing, make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. All the silver and golden vessels of brass and iron are consecrated unto Jehovah. They should come to the treasury of the Lord. When you come into the promised land, when you get past Jericho, everything you have, you can keep. Silver and gold in the treasury, but Jericho, first fruits belong to God. So since the silver and gold belong to God, the accursed thing has to do with the Babylonian garment that he took. Not, not a big deal, but that's the accursed thing. The silver and gold are a separate category. Uh, we'll continue and look at that. Joshua rose up early in the morning, and here's what we're going to do. We're going to bring the Israel by their tribes and uh, before the Lord. Now, whether it was by Urim and Thorim or how it was detected, but each tribe is going to pass before the Lord, and one tribe is going to be singled out, and Judah was taken. Then he brought the family of Judah, and he took the family of Zaronites, and brought the family of the Zaronites man by man, and Zabdi was taken. And he brought his household man by man, and Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabai, the son of Zerah, the tribe of Jew, was taken. Now, at some point, you've got to think that Achan is going to say, oh, my Achan heart. I mean, they got a bust. He, he, doesn't he know he's going to get busted? I mean, people died because of his, because of insurrection, died because of his sin, and, and he knows that the battle's over, and then God starts saying, all right, we're going to find a guilty party. At this point, you'd think maybe he'd say, uh, listen, I'm going to stay in a lot of trouble. Can we make a plea bargain here? I, I watch Law and Order. And, and, and could we just say, listen, I confess now. No, he has the entire nation passed before the Lord, and then his tribe was taken. Well, one out of 12, 18% is a shot, you know. Maybe, maybe, maybe somebody else in the tribe is guilty. Then he brings them by family. Hmm, it's zeroing in on me. Then he brings it by household. Uh, busted. Busted. Uh, when is he going to stop and think, I can't get away with this? When is he going to realize? Now, he, I know he didn't have Galatians where it says, be not deceived, God is not mocked. But he had numbers. Numbers says that be sure your sin will find you out. He should have known that. I should know that. I can't get away with it. You can't get away with it. He can't get away with it. What makes me think we can get away with it? And he brought his household and before the Lord, and Joshua sent unto Achan, My son, give, I pray thee, glory to Yudhevuve, glory to Jehovah God of Israel. Make confession unto him, and tell me now what thou hast done. Hide it not from me. And now Achan, after being busted, which isn't quite the same thing as confession, uh, answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God, against Yudhevuve, against Jehovah of Israel. Thus and thus have I done. And in sowing, he says, now he explains it. When I saw, and I look at this progression. Is this your heart? Is this my heart? When I saw 
among the spoils. That sounds like a little bit like my, my, my grandmother Eve. She saw that it was good for, to, to eat and so on. And, and, and a goodly Babylonish garment and 200 shekels of silver, a wedge of gold and 50 shekels weight. I coveted them. So it was good to make one wise. Lost of the flesh, lost of the eye. And I took them and behold, they are hid. Look, I see, I take, I covet, I hide. Uh, what makes me think I'm going to get away with it? Is this hard in you? Is it just me? How can Achan possibly think he's going to get away with it? He took a garment. I don't know, jacket of some kind. Where is he going to wear that garment? Somebody goes, hey, did you get that at J.C. Penney's? What did you pay for it? Now, come on, he bought a Babylonian garment that occurs that people are going to know, hey, we're all wearing the same thing we wore in the wilderness, and you got it. Well, come on. Where's he going to spend the money? How's he going to spend that money? Where'd you get silver and gold? We've been traveling in the wilderness for 40 years, and you got silver and gold? You find a mine somewhere? How's that? He can't spend it. He can't use it. He can't. But he wanted it. Is there anything you got holding on to, craving, coveting? It's mine. Nobody here is like that. But my aching heart desires stuff that I can't even use. I can't want, but I want it. I, 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 it's all good to me. But for some reason, I spend time in it. What is wrong with us? What is wrong with us? Well, it's time to confess. It's time to let go. And it's time to let God. I, I'm going to abbreviate because we need community. I'm going to take it to a quick conclusion. Years ago, I was at a missions conference, and a man pulled me out. His name was um, Owen Davies. Maybe some of you know who Owen Davies is. He's a marvelous Christian gentleman. Speaks with an impeccable Scottish brogue when he was alive. If I could speak like he did, I'd do this professionally. Oh, wait. In any case, Owen Davies is an amazing speaker, and, um, and he loves to tell all kinds of stories about the, his activities in the world War II and... And um, he shares a, a bit about his, uh, the, the Scottish-British heritage and the Queen of England. And we started talking about the right, divine right of kings and queens and, and nations and governments and labor, labor days and so on. And he said that when Parliament enacts a, a law, they have a wonderful, wonderful ritual where they bring it to the Queen of England and with great pomp and circumstance, they, they blow these Swedish and they bring it to her on a, on a velvet pillow and with a satin pen, she enacts it and signs it. And Ellen Davis says, you know, what's interesting, what would happen if Her Majesty does not sign the document? You know what happens? It becomes law anyway. <laughs> She's just a ceremonial figurehead. And he said, you know, sometimes we do that with God. We take that with yud heh vuv We make our plans, we make our ideas, we make our commitments, our sacrifices, and we bring it to him and say, here, God, sign on. Bless me when I do this. Bless me when I do that. Open that door. Open that heart. Here we are. God, sign on. And God has another idea. He takes out another piece of paper. Oh, he looks at ours and says, oh, gosh, that's pretty nice. I died for you, and you're willing to do this for me? Nice touch. However, we're going to put this aside for now, and here's my 
document. Here's my new labor contract. Here's what I want you to sign on to. And I said, okay, okay, let me look at that. Uh, uh, <laughs> you forgot to fill in the details. <laughs> it's blank. That's right. That's right. Anytime, anywhere, anything, right now, from this time forward, I'm signing on, Lord Jesus. You're the Lord, and I'm the servant. That's Labor Day. That's labor that's not in vain. My aching heart will be satisfied once and for all, forever. I'm letting go, and I'm letting God. Now, what are you afraid of that God might put on that list? Might take your health, a loved one, touch something that you don't want him to touch, take away something that you don't want him to take away. Come on, guys. We're in this together. Let go. Let God. Trust him. Believe. Let go. Sign on. That's what Labor Day is all about. By the way, in closing, I don't know what this. I, prayed, I preached a similar message in front of a bunch of Jewish people. Um, maybe it was last Labor Day, I forget what. And, and one of my Jewish friends came up to me after the service, and he said, Mitch, that was fantastic. Boy, does Mark need to hear that. <laughs> Nothing in this challenged you? Oh, no, I'm fine. But Mark, he really needs to hear that. So after the service, I sit in the back of the sanctuary, and Mark comes up to me. And Mark says, Mitch, Mitch, can I talk to you aside, apart from everybody? Oh, praise God, hallelujah. Finally, God's getting hold of, of his aching heart. And he takes me aside and says, Mitch, did I ever mention to you about this certain stock? You want to look into this stock. I said, Mark, we just talked about materialism, sacrifice, service, and you got a stock option for me? I don't know. I don't know. So listen, folks, if you have a stock, keep it to yourself. And if you think this especially belongs to somebody else, don't bother telling me about it. How about some application of our own selves and our own lives? Pastor.